Hey there, it's your host Nandini, and I'm so glad you could join me in building this network of evolving humans. Welcome to Enough Unsaid. Hi, welcome to the first episode of Enough Unsaid. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Nandini, and I started this podcast because far too many of us feel the same way, and yet far too many of us don't speak about it. It can feel really lonely, but the beauty of being human is that there's no feeling on this earth that is simply unique to you. On some level, to some degree, we all feel these emotions. And while it may feel lonely in the moment, we're really not alone. We're all here to grow and thrive. But how do you do that without support? You create your own network of support. It only felt intuitive for me to connect with other humans, humans who have felt the same way you have and grown from it. And I'd like you to join me on this journey. So welcome to the network of evolving humans and let's say everything we need to. The first topic that we will dive into is a topic that I believe to be extremely foundational for all that we do. It dictates our relationship with ourselves, others, the kind of work we do, the behaviors that we engage in, and our overall well-being and outlook on life. Clearly, this is no small thing. And in the journey of creating a better you, it is a monumental part of the puzzle. It's our self-image. Self-image is the perception you have towards yourself. This includes how you feel about your appearance, personality, and your abilities. Self-image is a personal journey. It's about how you feel about yourself, and you should have the freedom to make this choice. Though, growing up in a Southeast Asian culture and community, this birthright is up for grabs, and you are thrown into a sea of opinions. To an impressionable mind, you're absorbing everything that comes to you without placing any filters. And how could you? If from the moment you are born, people feel that it is their right to tell you what your self-image is. Ironic, isn't it? Building a good self-image is a journey. It's an evolution. Having good self-image builds a home for confidence and acceptance. It's not, yesterday I felt bad and today I feel great about myself. It's not a mood. I want you to think of good self-image as stability. It's how you feel about yourself overall and being stable enough to appreciate yourself, but also recognizing the things that you need to work on for yourself. So how do you find stability when your boat is rocking in the sea of irrelevant opinions? What is an irrelevant opinion? How do we create a self-image that is independent from our cultural expectations? How do you claim that birthright back? What kind of habits do you need to engage in to unlearn those previous opinions? Now, I don't know the answers to these questions, but I do know someone who has embarked on the journey and has been diligently working on her self-image. Adding to the network of evolving humans, please welcome Shaylee. Welcome Shaylee. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on the first episode of Enough Unsaid. 
it's awesome what you're doing here. I'm I'm really excited to, you know, hear from these kind of voices. I feel like it's definitely people that we don't hear about from often. And it's people I wish I heard from when I was younger. So I'm excited to see where this takes us. <laughs> I'm just really looking forward to connecting our listeners to the network of evolving humans. So before we get into the conversation, I want to ask you what self-image means to you and why you've decided to join us today. Um, self-image to me is like the the way you see yourself and I guess how that uh, plays a role in how you make the decisions in your life and the way you approach it. So I guess it's just a mirror image of yourself and and that mirror image, I think, directly reflects a lot of the decisions you make. And the reason why I joined today is, uh, I don't know, my growth journey has been such an important part of who I am. And recently I've been very vocal about that journey. Um, I've, I've always been someone that likes going through an experience and then kind of sharing that with other people in hopes of inspiring someone or having them feel comfort and knowing that they're not alone in their struggles. And so I'm excited to have this platform to be able to do that with you. Now, you mentioned that it is a journey. And so I know that each journey has a beginning, middle and end. Mm -hmm. And of course, the beginning with self-image can be a rocky place to start off on. Yeah. So without having you relive all of your experiences, I really want you to tell me about what those days were like when your self-image wasn't so great. Who impacted that self-image mm -hmm. of yours? Well, I think your self-image starts like pretty much the day you're born. Like that's when you start creating that image of yourself. And early on, um, I didn't necessarily see myself in the best way um, as, as I like growing up because of the things I heard and the expectations that were held of me and just feeling like I was never able to be this perfect picture, um, the, have this perfect image. Um, and I realized that it was because I, my self image was heavily dictated by other people and the people around me rather than self image, which is how I saw myself. <laughs> I think you bring up a really interesting point that self image should be a birthright. And I speak about that in the introduction where yeah. really it is a choice that you should be making. Mm -hmm. But I feel like our culture specifically focuses so heavily on perfection. Yes. On following the ideal path on being the ideal skin color, having the ideal hair, choosing the ideal career. So growing up, how did you process that? How did you deal with trying to live up with the expectations of this perfect world? I think early on, it very much begins with like the way you look, right? So for me, like I really went through my struggles with um, acne as I, as uh, during my teenage years, and I still struggle with that. Um, I am very much not a fair skin color girl. And that's something you see very commonly in, especially in the media, in Bollywood movies, you only see beautiful, fair skin color girls. And I never, I was never that person. And I thought, well, if this is what beautiful means, then maybe I'm not beautiful. And I, and that's, that's a mentality I had of myself for many, many years. I know our families and our loved ones, they want the best for us, right? So they don't necessarily tell you all the wonderful things about you. 
they will tell you all the not so wonderful things about you because they want you to improve those things so that you can be the best version. So I don't want people here thinking that we're sitting here and bashing the community. No, we understand the intentions that come with it, but it's unfortunate because sometimes all you hear are the flaws. (laughs) Yeah. That's the case you can start assuming that all you have are flaws. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I've, I've, I think the image of myself for a long time was so negative and it was because that's all I heard. Like I, it was, you only have the flaws pointed out about you. And so the, evidently that will be the image you have of yourself. You know, there's a lot of conditioning that our culture has gone through over the yeah. years. I think only now in the recent years has fair and lovely changed their name up until now that wasn't the case right so it's not just you dealing with the opinions of your family it's the opinions that they have then been conditioned to believe that they have then imparted onto you yes generations of unlearning and it's not easy to do that in one generation Yeah, and when when they call you out on something, or um, you know, if if you have dark skin, for example, and they say like, "Why aren't you lighter?" That's I want whoever's listening to this to take it with a grain of salt. That it's not necessarily them speaking; it's their conditioning that's speaking. Yes. But I think you eventually learn to take those flaws that were pointed out about you and then turn them into what I like to call it superpowers. Like for me, my skincare is like troubles that I had growing up. I turned it into a way to educate myself on how can, how can I be better about my skin? How can I take care of myself better? And at that point it was, I knew that it was a healthy approach because I was doing it for myself. I wasn't really doing it for anyone else. You, you learn as you grow older to to see the things that make you different, the things that make you not like every other picture of perfection that the South Asian culture like makes you as, as something that makes you unique and something that makes you kind of beautiful. See, that's exactly it. Um, Everybody is, is different in their own ways. Everybody has things that makes them insecure. And growing up, your whole purpose is to fit in. Yeah. And suddenly overnight, everybody wants to be different. And that's where you and your, your superpowers come into <laughs> You don't try to be different. You just are. This meeting, this perfect uh, picture that your parents create of you are, are kind of, I guess, expect of you as you're a kid, you know, growing up, you, they want you to be the smartest in your class, you know go into a career that has security and does well and make good money and, you know, follow, follow passions that are appropriate in our culture. And that's something I guess maybe I'll dive into a little later because dance is something that's not necessarily seen as um, an appropriate uh, hobby to have in the South Asian culture, but dance was always important to me. Even the choices I made in terms of, I was in the IB program and I went to the IB program because I thought, my parents thought it was what's best for me. So I'm like, okay, if they think this, this is what's best for me, then sure, it might, that's what I'm going to do. I didn't really think about what I really wanted and if it, it would really fit in with the image of, I, of what I saw myself and where I saw my future going. Um, there was points where I wanted to give up in the IB program because the IB program is not really built out if 
if you're not really into science, into the sciences. And I never was, but I gave it a shot because I know that's what my parents wanted. That's what they saw for me. That's what they saw for my future. And I, I wanted to live up to that expectation. I wanted to make sure that I never disappoint them. Like I'm always this perfect daughter to them. And you come to realize that like all of these external ideas of perfection that our society and culture comes up with, it's not realistic, first of all. And it's not it's not fair to apply to everyone because everyone's unique in their own special way. And I felt like for a long time, I couldn't be Shaylee for so long. Like I felt like I couldn't be my authentic self. Yeah, I think a lot of us are born into our role before yeah. we're born into ourselves. Yeah. Which is weird because if you don't fill your cup first, how will you provide to other people? And you talk about your parents having a certain vision for you. And I, I want to caveat the fact that we come from a culture where your parents' success is heavily dependent on how successful you are. Oh yeah. So the, and that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure because it's not just success, it's success by their measure of success. So exactly. like you said, dance is a great hobby, but is it going to make the money that your parents expect you to make, right? So it's, it's really hard navigating through that. And I want to ask you, do you think that back when you were in IB, you would have had the guts to tell your parents that you didn't want to do this? No, <laughs> because my definition of my success and the picture like this picture that I had painted for myself. First of all, I didn't have a picture of it. I painted of myself. I had the picture that my parents painted of me. And my my job was to kind of just keep on fulfilling that and making sure that's fulfilled. So no, I felt like, I think it back then all that really mattered to me was not disappointing my parents, making sure I'm doing everything I can to be the perfect daughter that they wanted me to be. Um, and I would never have had the guts to kind of say this, you know, this isn't, this isn't really fitting on in well with me because even though like my parents are great and they've always um, kind of encouraged whatever career path I chose, uh, they were like, just, just do your best, find something that you do well in. But I knew in the back of my head, like what the societal expectations that were instilled in them. And, uh, and I know that they wanted me to give things a shot because of that societal expectation. So it wasn't necessarily my parents, I think. Um, although they kind of projected the South Asian idea and culture into my life. Um, I think I definitely started thinking about what really fit with me and what really didn't fit with me. Um, it's a really big unlearning process, like flipping from just going off of this ideal image that you have created as a child and then trying to push yourself into truly discovering who you are it takes a good support system definitely but it also takes a lot of unlearning of that old picture you had of yourself in your brain and I think that's what I really really struggled with um if I'm talking about where that really happened I would say my one my first two years in university I was doing competitive dancing um and my first year of university my parents knew about it, I told them about it, and they definitely were not happy about it. They were like, yeah, you're gonna dance, but oh, it's gonna take away from the fact that, you know, what about school? Like, you're, aren't you gonna be wasting time? Yeah, that's what you're there for. 
yeah so they were like it's going to be a, a, a waste of time like you're not going to be able to focus on school but for me it wasn't a waste of time it was it was a part of who i wanted to become right mm -hmm. um and it's it sucked to kind of know that they didn't really approve of it and the hard part i really struggled with was be getting used to the fact that you know sometimes i'm not going to make my parents happy but i know that this is what's best for me and this is what's good for me um so yeah i did that in my first year and then in my second year i wanted to i was on the team again but this time around i didn't tell my parents so mom and dad if you're listening sorry <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so my second year in university like it was a struggle i uh was dancing um i was doing school and because my parents kind of saw dance as a waste of time i wanted to prove that i could do both i could be the perfect person in school and you know fulfill my passions on the side and be able to handle both mm -hmm. because i didn't with them not knowing that i was dancing i didn't i didn't want my my school to kind of fall apart either because i didn't i wanted to prove a point i wanted to prove that i could do both i remember having a specific conversation with my parents about dance and about like doing competitive dancing in general and they were like, okay, but why are you, why are you doing it? Like, what do you, what's the benefit you're going to get out of it? And I was like, well, it makes, it makes me happy. Like it, it's a part of who I am. It, it brings me joy. They're like, yeah, but like, what are you going to get out of it? I'm like, but that is what I'm going to get out of it. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? You're going to be, okay. And then what? <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's crazy that they have this like idea of you should be doing X, Y, and Z and everything else is a distraction when you take that first step of stepping away from what your parents want and doing what you want there can be a lot of guilt that you experience oh, yeah. but then you start kind of showing them that this is what makes me happy and this is what gives me gives me joy and in order to be able to kind of communicate communicate that to someone else you really have to be able to accept that yourself and when i was going through that struggle in second year where i was trying to like basically live a double life i think I wasn't accepting myself for who I was. And I think that's, that's really what it starts with. It's like, comes back to down to self-image, like who, what is my self-image and who, what do I want my self-image to be? And once you have that picture of yourself, you start creating it and then you start working towards it every day. And that's how my life has kind of shifted, like forwarding my life to, and now I'm two years post-university and I've never been as mentally healthy as I am now, because I have a strong sense of who I am, who I'm becoming, and I have a self-image of myself that I'm working towards every day. And, I, and I've stopped letting other opinions kind of play a part in that, because yeah. I know who I am and I don't, I don't really need anyone else to tell yeah. me otherwise. <laughs> and that's, that's it, right? It's really figuring out what you value for yourself. Like, yeah. I don't want people to confuse self-image with narcissism or overconfidence. It's not mm -hmm. about, I'm the best and there are no flaws in me. It's, I'm, I'm who I am. This is how, this is my stability. But here yeah. are the things that I'm going to work on for myself so that I can work exactly. the image of who I want to be. I, when I changed my definition of success, it helped me get a clearer picture of the things that I want and don't want in my life. Um, and you start to realize that like you feeling joy in everything you do 
is the ultimate like goal of success at the end of the day and not really comparing yourself to other people I mean as a kid I got compared to other people all the time I was not really the smartest you know the wisest I wasn't I just worked really really hard um and I worked harder than a lot of other people even though I wasn't naturally smart um and I think you just remember that as long as you you are doing your very very best and you feel happy in what you're doing that's all success really should be for everyone I think that's what everyone's definition of success should be <laughs> yeah I think that's a great definition of success especially if for example if you're somebody that values academic achievements and so do yeah. your students again levels of that can vary for them an aim yeah. success but if you're somebody who struggles in math and in the past you've only been able to get a c and now you have a b plus guess what celebrate that you know be yeah. happy for yourself don't use an a as the only excuse or the only chance to be happy i think our our part of the reason why i think southeast asian kids struggle with confidence is because your successes aren't always celebrated in the way no. that you want them to be. I think it's, you're done this, now what? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And it's it's really becomes about a checklist, right? And I felt like as soon as I achieve one thing, it's like, okay, like what's next? You know, uh, as soon as I finish undergrad, it's like, okay, like time to find a job now. Or as soon as you finish um, finding a job, okay, like when are you going to get married? Like now it's time, you know, it's, it, you never stop to kind of, live in the moment and like embrace success and feel joy that feel that kind of joy you're always like looking on to the next thing and that never that that never will make you feel like you're enough you know if you're not taking a step back to slow down and kind of embrace and appreciate all of your achievements and everything you're becoming it's it really takes a joy away from your life and stops you from ever feeling like you are enough and really just determining the things that you value and yeah like unfortunately we do come from a society that doesn't value the same things that that we do right mm -hmm. our whether it was the movies we watched growing up or our families or our, our community that told us that well no a girl should value x y and z and a guy should value x y and z and that's it. This is your pathway. Yeah. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy because even even the idea of creating your self image, like you told me that as a five year old, be like, what do you mean create an image of myself? I'm gonna do whatever my parents tell me to do because ask my mom. <laughs> that's all I know, right? And like, it's 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 kind of heartbreaking to think about. Um, to to think about like that's that's the mentality I was as a child. But we like a lot of us don't even know about you don't understand self-image until a lot later in your life obviously this has been a journey for you and I want to ask you embracing yourself isn't easy you know it's not easy to unlearn every single opinion that you anybody's ever had of you and then to sit back and say wait a minute this is who I am so yeah. I want to ask you how did you decide one that this is the journey that you're going to embark on and two how do you go about unlearning what kind of habits did you engage in to unlearn those things i think it really started for me when i was doing living that double life as a dancer because i knew i knew that i felt joy when it came to practice and i felt happy about that but then 
when I would go home, I would know that my parents don't know about this aspect of my life. And it would just, I would just feel guilty about it. And that happiness that I got from dance and that happiness that I got from feeling myself, feeling like my truest self, I wanted to feel that um, about everything in my life. Um, and even, even the accounting path that I chose, I am someone, if someone that someone that doesn't know the accounting industry too well like a lot of people go into the firm once they once they graduate university and i never wanted to do that i wanted to be i in the industry you know making an impact making a change um and i knew that it was going to come with struggles in terms of not being able to get my designation as fast you know going through maybe not financially being ahead as everyone else and I and my parents saw that as a little bit concerning they were like why are you why are you doing something different but I'm like it, it gives me joy and I once you feel that feeling of joy in one place you kind of remember that you're the the way your life moves forward and the way the the picture that you paint of yourself it should bring you full joy and I think people pleasing is an important characteristic to point out that a lot of South Asian kids have, like we develop people pleasing uh, characteristics very early on yeah. in our childhood. And yeah. it carries with you throughout your adulthood. And people pleasing includes like the way you look, the decisions you make, everything. Like I've had, I've had people approach, like aunties approach me saying, you know, like your, like your skin like looks, you know, like, have you done something about it? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Or, you know, like say, like hearing things like, oh, like, you know, like you should try these fairness things. Like, like this is the kind of things that people want to, people look for in a girl when they're looking for marriage or you should be able to cook and you should be able to do this and you should be able to do that. So a boy will marry you. <laughs> Excuse me, what? <laughs> I think that's, that's something that I spoke about earlier is that you don't know how to filter through these opinions because again, so much yeah. of your self-image is dependent on how you please others and how obedient you are to others. So yeah. if an auntie did come up to you and say these things, I'm sure there's no way that you went back. I'm sorry, did I ask for your opinion? You didn't, you just took it. Because you weren't allowed to do that either. <laughs> You're not allowed to talk back. And that's the thing, right? And I'm yeah. sure that that must have impacted you mentally and emotionally and even physically. Oh yeah, like not, not the feeling of not being good enough has carried with me for way too long. And I carried that with me as a teenager, as a young adult, and I'm slowly learning to take that, I guess, burden off of my shoulders and feel like I can be my true authentic self without having to please other people. Again, the, the idea of obedience is so ingrained into you that you don't know how to think for yourself. So it's almost like your own yeah. choice in your self-image is given to everybody but yourself. And that self-image, I think if you are, if you don't heal from that or if you don't unlearn it, um, especially in your 20s, it can really, really impact your adult years. And that's something that's kind of terrifying to think about. <laughs> It is. It is exceptionally terrifying because growing up, everybody already has insecurities. Mm -hmm. But when it becomes public information, what your yep. insecurities are, and people <laughs> point those out, then every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you see the tainted version that everybody's asking you to look at instead of what you really see. And it's unfortunate that we don't 
have the chance or the choice to filter yeah. that out earlier. But I want you to think of it not as some big task that's going to be done in a single day. It can oh. take years. It's just now how do you go about using the happiness as, as like the, yeah. fuel, the fire and then doing little habits that help build who you are. Yeah. And I think the hardest part of um, unlearning that is like you go so many years doing it and like unlearning that whole thing is it takes a long time. Like it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of self-evaluation, self-awareness, which can be mentally exhausting. And when you assess yourself, I want to ask you, it's not always sunshine. It's not always, no. I'm going to, I'm going to kill it today. I'm happy. I'm a great person. I'm sure that part of self-image is also assessing the flaws that you have Mm -hmm. and how you go about that. So I want to ask you, how do you deal with that? Because when in the process of developing a good self-image, it can almost feel like counterintuitive to work on your flaws, but that's a part of it too. I think it's really important to also remember that not all opinions around you are necessarily wrong. Like there are, but you have to be, you have to get to a, a I guess a self-awareness level where you can kind of evaluate a other opinions and see if like if if this is something I need to change about myself and for me like I've become very open-minded in the sense that I see myself as a growing individual and growing individuals have things that they need to work on and sometimes you're not necessarily aware of those things you don't you don't necessarily become aware of those things until sometimes they're pointed out to you mm-hmm. so yeah when I see when I see an opportunity to grow I like to call it I kind of take it on without feeling like there's something wrong with me um, because that's not the case. It's just a, it's just another area for you to, to grow in and kind of work on. And it's, you have to remember that it's, it's a lifelong journey kind of creating that self image of yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's always new things that come along the way. There's always new ways for me to be a better version of myself. But when you see it as a forward looking process and a lifelong journey, it, it stops hurting your ego almost. And it, you see it as an opportunity. Uh, I mean, I'm a business student, so this is a funny metaphor, but it's like having a business plan. Like when you have a self-image of who you want to become, it's other ideas do come along the way. And then you kind of have to ups- assess the fact that does this fit in with my plan, with the plan of I have of becoming the, a better version of myself. That's what it is. If you don't embrace yourself, then you're not you're really going to, you can't expect someone else to embrace who you are. So the first thing, it really honestly starts with embracing yourself, embracing who you are as a person. What makes Shaylee, Shaylee, right? Like Shaylee wants to, you know, pursue a career in business. Shaylee wants to, you know, integrate dance into her life. Like, what do I want to do? And then when you, I guess when you have that kind of purpose and that picture you can start working towards it and even start communicating that like for me yes my parents still like kind of like are not super happy that like I am this passionate about dance at 24 years old because you know at 24 years old you're not supposed to be dancing it's not seen as appropriate this is what makes me happy and this is what gives me gives me joy and in order to be able to kind of communicate communicate that to someone else, you really have to be able to accept that yourself. And when I was going through that struggle in second year where I was trying to like basically live a double life, I think I wasn't accepting myself for who I was. And I think that's, that's really what it starts with. It's like 
comes back to down to self-image like who what is my self-image and who what do i want my self-image to be and once you have that picture of yourself you start creating it and then you start working towards it every day when you were going through this process did you experience anger resentment towards not just the community but you know everything yeah um for sure i I went through a lot of anger, um, especially with my parents, because I felt like I I was ups- I resented them for a long time for for I guess holding me back from my truest potential, um, and I felt like they had a strong role to play in that. And as much as they might have, it honestly comes back to I'm a big believer in accountability, and it honestly comes back to myself. It was up to me to make that change. It was up to me to decide who I want to be as a person and then work towards that. Um, and so when I actually started making progress with myself, I stopped resenting them because I knew that, yes, that was in the past. And yes, I felt like I didn't get to live up to my truest potential for many, many years, but it was all about becoming my best self. And I was on that journey and, and being on that journey, I started to feel less anger towards everything that happened. It all comes back to having, um, a, a good picture of yourself. Um, and this doesn't necessarily only influence like your relationship with your family, but also uh, influences the other relationships in your life, just friendships, um, romantic relationships, anything. You start knowing who you are as a person and the people around you can't, like if you become so, if you build that core so strongly, the people around you don't really have the power to influence that the older you get and the stronger your core becomes, the more you realize that opinions are optional. Yes. (laughs) You know, they're not, you don't have to take them in and you get to decide what a good or bad opinion is. My parents have given me the tools I need to go on this journey and kind of make progress in it. So it does come back to them. It does come back to, the core does come from them, but now it's about you know, moving forward and thinking about what makes me myself and using whatever they've given you and hoping that they trust you with the tools they've provided you to shape yourself into the person you are. Yeah. Ultimately, I think the biggest indicator of trust is happiness. And if, if it makes you happy, I think they automatically start trusting it that, you know what, maybe this, this was the right call. For example, you said, I wouldn't go into corporate because it doesn't make me happy. Revert that situation onto our parents, they probably would because it would provide them with stability. Yeah. And it's hard for them to to kind of point things out when you're happy with where you are, you know, and and your parents see that you're making good decisions and you are happy and fulfilled. And that's all they really want for you at the end of the day. And if they see you doing that, those opinions eventually start fading away naturally. (laughs) Um, As we come near the end of our podcast, I want to ask you that you've been on this journey for quite some time. And I want to ask you if you could go back in time and tell your 18-year-old self something, some advice about self-image, self-worth, self-love, what would that advice be? Um, This is going to sound so cheesy, but it would be to follow your heart because I feel like your heart definitely knows the core of who you are and what makes you happy and the person that you want to become. And it's a matter of just blocking out the rest and 
listening to your true self and and really fulfilling that um if i had listened to my heart i think i definitely would have done things differently um but that's okay everything was part of the learning process and i definitely learned from it but i think going forward the advice that i carry into like my mid mid to late 20s is to always follow my heart and my gut feeling and decide like is is this giving me joy is this making me feel fulfilled and if it's not then i don't want anything to do with it mm -hmm. and once you get into that mindset and once you like define success and your self-image and joy as those things it becomes a lot easier to make decisions first of all um because the only person you're considering is what is best for yourself and i don't think i did that for many years but it's definitely helped me it's definitely helped me navigate through a lot of the decisions I make um, in my 20s. Now it's just I'm the center of my decisions. And if it if it does not feel well, fit well with me, I'm not going to accept it into my life. And that doesn't come with, you know, fights and anger. It comes out of a place of love. And, and I think I've learned to communicate that with my parents, too. Like, this doesn't feel what fit well with me. And I'm not upset at you for it. I just need you to understand, like, this is who I am. And it's just not right and you stop you stop becoming angry you be, you you even start saying no to things out of a place of love and i think that's the biggest growth aspect for me that i know who i am and i know how to kind of explain that to someone with love in my heart and not hate if it doesn't if someone else's opinion doesn't really match with mine mm -hmm. i think that's you know in hindsight everything is 2020 <laughs> You can sit here now and say, I should have said no to IB, but exactly in the moment you yeah. can't. And yeah. you're right. Like when you're growing up, you you do trust your parents and your parents for the most part do make good good decisions or at least oh, yeah. input. I am an independent, successful woman now because of everything my parents taught me and it, I owe everything to them, but they didn't always necessarily know what was best for me. So like there's, there's a lot of parts to the picture, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also just as you grow up, you may not have all the say in the world as to what to do. And especially if you're breaking that barrier mm -hmm. of establishing yourself. Yeah. I think it's, if you're young, it's really important to also present yourself to your parents as yourself, not just their child, not just yeah. the mm -hmm. in the household, you know, start understanding who you are or what you like what you don't it could even be so much as the kind of music you want to listen to <laughs> right like it's it's really about finding things that match with with the kind of person you want to be and it will evolve mm -hmm. it's not the I wanted to be an OBGYN when I was <laughs> because that's I awesome a mini project like you know those things evolve and it's completely fine for it to evolve I think it's just about really trying to figure out what is my personality? What are my abilities? How do I actually feel about myself? Okay, so we've clearly explored the importance of having good self-image. And part of having good self-image is not only establishing who you are and trying to learn who you are, it's also mm -hmm. trying to learn what opinions you value and what opinions you don't value. Mm -hmm. I think we've all grown up hearing some cocktail of stupid insults or unnecessary comments or opinions. And though we may not have a choice initially on what we allow and what we don't allow, we certainly have the choice to change that now. 
I want you all to think of your self-image as a long-term thing. It's stability and stability doesn't happen overnight. It's not a straight line either. It doesn't always go up and it doesn't always go down. Yeah. The overall trend is that of happiness and acceptance and peace. So I wish you all the best on your self-acceptance and self-image journey. And thank you for joining me on the first episode of Enough Unsaid. Thank you.